Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm the guy behind Driving Mall. I'm the founder of New Zealand Sports Radio. And we're going to have a chat tonight. We're going to talk about Super Rugby uh, in all its different forms. We might even talk a little bit about club rugby as well. Uh, and um, wherever else the conversation really takes us. Because um, if, you've, uh, if you know anything about the way that John and I work, well, preparation isn't high up that list, let's be honest. Uh, we... <laughs> How do you spell this? Spell, yes, exactly. Um off the cuff, I believe is how it's spelt. Yeah. Now, one of the things you might notice, folks, is I've changed. We've changed the name of the show. Yes, we're no longer Hash Rugby Chat. It's now going to be called the Driving More Show. After 140 odd episodes, I thought it's time to freshen things up. Uh, and also, we will be moving to Monday night from 8 p.m. next week as well. So, all change here on New Zealand Sports Radio. And the reason for that is that. We were supposed to be joined, or we were going to be joined tonight, by a current international. But unfortunately, he's kind of busy with club training. Um, John, uh, it's, it's it's great to see. I'm not. Some... A, I don't. I don't play internationally anymore. No, not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> deary me, dear me. Um. So, what's so who's you... the other international you were going to that was going to join us? Uh, Dwayne, who joined us last week, our Samoan. Uh, the Samoan scrum half, who also plays for the Utah um, Warriors in Major League Rugby, is back in New Zealand and is uh, out at Pakaranga uh, training with his club tonight. Otherwise, he would have been joining us on the show. So we're going to move it to right. Monday night so we don't clash with club rugby training because I know there'll be a bunch of um, club rugby guys out there who will be pining for yeah. the fact that they're not being able to watch the show tonight. So, John, what have you got? What's, what's your bottle this evening? I've got a. I'm in training too. See, it's a, a light ginger beer. A light ginger beer. Oh well. See, I thought I would go for the uh, the Max um, Pacific IPA. Um, oh, so I see that. The, the, so the, the Pacific Pale Ale. So there you go. Um, so it's a Pacific Kappa. It's a Pacific Kappa. Uh, Pacific Kappa. Well, there's no IP, it's just PPA, I'm afraid. But so you say, yeah, PPA, um, which is not it's the same. It tastes bad, bad. It tastes um, bad, bad. It tastes like PPA. I was going to say, look, look, you have PPA, then you have, then it comes before PPE, which you put your personal protective equipment. That's right. Yeah. We might actually want to talk about some rugby before everyone just dial, uh, everyone turns off. Yes, um, let's do that. Let's do that. So uh, we've got to say, we say sayonara to um, the Sunwolves. Um, uh, to uh, because they're going to um, uh, they, it's, it's now been official that they are not going to be taking part in Super Rugby AU um, this yeah. year. The now um, tomorrow morning uh, at nine AM there'll be a on, on drivingmall.com uh, we'll be putting out a, a uh, releasing a video that I recorded today with Craig, who is from Western Australia. 
uh, one of the uh, force fans. He's taught me, we have a chat about what it means for the force fans to be included back into Super Rugby AU um, and uh, uh, and all of that side of things and sort of obviously the pain that was caused um, by that uh, and kind of how this reintegration, even if it is just for one season, uh, is occurring. So do 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 check that out. Um, the Stephen Harris, Stephen, you're supposed to be resting, and here he is in the live chat saying tonight's challenge for the show is. What do you mean challenge? I think the challenge is to drink a beer. Here we go. Um, but so yeah, so some will cut from from Super Rugby because uh, um, the Australian government won't give them exemptions to come back into the country because they're coming from so many different locations. If they'd all be coming from Japan, they would have been allowed back into the country to take part. But because they're coming from different locations, the players are around the world. Apparently, yeah. they're not allowed back in, which, which uh, let's be honest, is, is, is a real shame, isn't it, John? But I think it's been on the cards, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, there were, let's be honest, they were, weren't fully embraced. That was the impression that I got from Sanzar, that right from the beginning, they were almost like the ugly stepchild. And uh, she never transformed into the princess. There was no fairy godmother that came along and uh, did the Cinderella job. And she's properly being kicked into touch. Which is a huge loss, I think, because there was so much goodwill and growth potential for the game in Japan that could have been tapped into. But hey, let's, uh, let's not ever pretend that in the last... 15 years, Sanzo has been a model of uh, sports administration, so it's not be surprised. Yeah, not really surprised. But I think in a, I, I read an article when we first heard about the Japan joining Super Rugby uh, and the the way they went about putting their team together for the, for the very first season. If you looked at how Argentina did it, it was a concerted effort and plan over many years to get involved, uh, and as soon as the, it was kind of inked, they were signing players and you knew what their team was going to be. Whereas the Japan club was, the Japanese entry was much more of a, oh, look, there's an opportunity for us, um, the Japan Rugby Football Union, um, to get some control over our players because they're all paid for by the companies who run the who run the teams uh, and we're an amateur organisation. So we'll, we'll snap up this opportunity and then we'll figure out how we're going to do it as we go along afterwards. Uh, and I mean, they were they were putting their team together a couple of weeks before the season even st- before the season started. Uh, and all along, it seemed like an opportunism, an opportunist grab, rather than a properly planned out uh, situation. And I think they they what they changed um, uh, coaches like three or four times in that uh, in in the in in the in their short life lifespan. And their teams have been totally different uh, from one season to the next quite often. Uh, there's been some continuity early on, but this last season, they were in, they were an entirely brand new team. Uh, there was no continuity from last year. And there's just been no planning uh, and no attempts to build a franchise, it had, uh, even from the, from the absolute start, really. Um, the... And uh, so, yeah, so they're, they're now officially officially gone. So, John, if we do see, and we'll, we'll get on to talk about what 2021 looks like for Super Rugby, probably after we've looked at 2020, but can you see the Sunwolves ever coming back? Or do you think that if, if Japan gets involved again, it'll be one of, it, it'll be through the companies or through some other franchise? Is, is this really the end of the Sunwolves? Yeah, it's a difficult one to answer there, mate, because... There's, there's so many on the, on the possibilities. There's so many branches on that logic tree of what could happen. Um, so if you think about it, what needs to happen is they need to have a team that represents them. Oh, excuse me. That's not funny, it? They need to have a team that um, represents Japan. And the problem that they have with the teams that are currently in existence there that are playing in the Japanese league is that no one team uh, represents the entire country. So you, uh, the Caguares represent all of Argentina and 
all of Argentina is behind that team. And none of these, uh, whether it's Panasonic or whatever it may be, that, that run these other, these other rugby teams in the Japanese league, none of them want to see another team rise up and represent Japan in, in uh, competition, right? So, uh, excuse me. One yep. moment, just... You go, get, you go get that. Um, yeah, and that's that. That, that, that is. What, we'll, we'll talk about the the the, the future structure, um, but yeah, we'll have to see how how that um, how that all plans pans out. So the we'll sorry, get, apologies, apologies for that. That was ringing in the background. Um, yeah, no, on, um, but so yeah, ex, but yeah, we'll, we'll, so we'll, we'll we'll see how what, what structure twenty twenty one might take on. But uh, the yeah, there may be a way for. Uh, so, so what I was what I was trying to say is that first of all, you've got the problem of identifying a team that is supported by all of these teams in Japan that has feed from all of these teams and can take the best players. So that's the first problem. Then the second issue that is in that logic tree is that if they decide to ever get a team to represent. Japan in this kind of competition, will they want to compete with Sanzo or will they want to align themselves with the Northern Hemisphere? So this is the, you know, this is the issue that that we face, and and I have a I have some serious concerns for the whole of Sanzo with not only what's happened now with the Sunwolves going, but you know with what's happening with Kaguaris, uh, with the you know, the players being told that if they can immigrate, they, you know, this is the, if, if they can take any opportunity elsewhere outside of uh, Argentina, they must go for it. Okay, uh, let me read out the, let me read out the quote from a, um, uh, for, for, from, from the, Hag from, from, uh, um, De La Fuente, uh, yeah. obviously one of the Haguayos players. The UAR, which is obviously the, the, um, the union over in Argentina, um, told us that if uh, um, and in brackets a player had an offer in the future to take it to ease the economic issue a little, they told us that if we had any possibility of emigrating, that we take it, and that the URA was going to be predisposed to help us to be able to travel. Not that the URA is going to let all its players go; it will try to retain a base so that professional rugby remains in place, competing. And basically, so that there's some competition within the country where they can take Jaguares, Cibos, or Argentina 15. So there you go. So basically, uh, there's there's two ways of looking at this. One of these is to say that look, the Jaguares is is effectively disbanding, or the other one is just saying that look, the um, Argentinian rugby union is in financial issues, unsurprisingly, as they've not had any games for Super Rugby, and there's no prospect of them. Or there's very limited prospect of them um, playing in the rugby championship. Obviously, their June internationals, home internationals, are gone. So that includes all gone. So clearly, Argentina, the rugby union there, is going to be in financial um, distress. So they're looking at offloading some of their more expensive players, effectively, and keeping Aguares. But obviously, they won't be as good as um, as they were previously. Okay, so, the same players. But here's here's the thing, and this is this is my concern about the administration of uh, Sanzar's administration. They appear to be very efficient at running a competition, but their just strategic decision-making is really poor. So the decisions that they take, they can implement them, but the actual decisions are poor ones. So, for instance, the Jaguares were the finalists last year. They have had a meteoric rise when you consider how new they are as a franchise and the fact that they have the greatest obstacle to overcome every season when it comes to travel. Every away game is across an ocean. Every away game, they deal with jet lag. Unlike the Chiefs who drive two hours up the road to play against the Blues or uh, the Blues who fly... I don't know, what, two hours down to the South Island to play Christchurch, whatever it may be. So they have done tremendously well. And what they needed 
what they needed was to be absorbed into some of one of, pick one, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. They needed to be said, bring your players over, we'll quarantine them here, you can get some, you know, negotiate some support from the Argentinian government to cover your testing, we'll make a plan, whatever, we get you into our competition, whichever one it was. Um, and if South Africa is not opening up in time to run, then, you know, they are, they, they are a team that beat the Chiefs in the last two years. They're a team that beat the Blues. They're the team that's done exceptionally well against uh, all around the world. And if you want to look after the game, not just the game in, in our country, insert whatever country you might be in, they needed to be taken care of because they're out by themselves. They've got nobody else to play in Argentina. So, I mean, South Africa has got its, its situations around a lockdown that don't allow for play at the moment. But if New Zealand, you know, you could bring them over, they could be quarantined for two weeks and they could be tested. And if everything comes out right, they could be included. And they would add great flavor to, I think, uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa. Anyway, there's, that's, I mean, it's one of my concerns about how Sanzar makes decisions. I think you've, yeah, you've got to remember that, and, and this, it's not just Sanzar, this is also world rugby as well. But essentially, Sanzar oh, yeah. is oh, yeah. essentially Sanzar is not an organization, it's a group of three, of, of three bodies that look after themselves, right? We've got a group of four bodies with Argentina that look after themselves on the whole, and that's and that's why this falls, and they have different priorities, and that's why it falls, and that's why any strategic decision is that they make is going to be good for somebody but bad for somebody else because they have different priorities uh, but here's I, I, the thing um, but here's, before, here's the, the thing is that if if rugby is strong then everybody benefits it's like the rising tide that lifts all ships mm -hmm. if argentina is strong if argentina has a good system and 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 is bringing through players and there's very physical and strong athletes in, in Argentina that maybe are not suited little uh, light-framed guys that play soccer. Um, big, strong guys in, or with all that steak that they eat. And if they are playing rugby, then the whole, all, all around the world we benefit because the standard of play around the world lives. And my concern is that it's just like, let's just protect the rugby here in our country. Oh, yes, absolutely. But I'm saying that's that, that's that's exactly what we get. We get that with Sansa. Yeah, same thing with World Rugby. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you, but but it's such a it's such a looking here perspective. It is, than, but then you also get a, like what, what like one of the why does the Sansa also why does Super Rugby structure keep changing? One of the reasons it keeps changing is in Australia they like derbies, in New Zealand they like derbies, and they like playing South Africa. In South Africa, they already get their derbies as part of the Curry Cup. They don't like derbies. They like games against against opposition, against people from other countries, right? Um, and so you've, they've got you've got three different views as to what kind of what kind of structure you want to have. Do you want a structure that has lots of derbies, or do you want a structure that has lots of games against against foreign teams? And so every single uh, that Sansar makes is like that, where you've got two different groups pulling in different directions, trying to agree on something, and it never it never suits anybody. I I am very skeptical about not the truth of what you said, as uh, so far as it's coming from you, but that is what was told to us by Sanzar when they justified breaking into different conferences. And we are at, at a point now, because of COVID-19, all that's happened is that this slow descent that has been taking place ever since the expansion of Super Rugby and then the breaking into conferences. This, all that's happened is the mountain has slipped because of COVID and it's just gone faster. But we were heading down the whole time because of the bad decisions. And what they justified to us for breaking into these conferences, they said it's because that's what we as the people wanted. And I never believed it ever because i believe and it's something that i raised with a member of sanzar's executive committee and a head of one of the unions in a discussion 
I believe their decision was based around reducing costs. Because if you add more games within a country, each one of those is far cheaper than somebody traveling across the ocean. Because you fly them in the day before. So you don't have all those hotel nights for a whole, you know, six hotel nights for a whole squad. You just, the day before, fly the Blues down to Christchurch to play, rather than put the Bulls up for, and, and all of their staff and everybody up for six nights in a hotel in yep. Christchurch. So what happens then is you multiply that by game by game, by game order, and they have saved millions and millions of dollars in operating costs while still adding programming in the deal that they had with Sky. So they gave, this, they gave Sky more hours of rugby by increasing the size of the competition, and they relatively reduced their costs. And they said, oh, you want it. Oh, you want it. I never believed it. I never believed it. And it has not flown. It, oh, it, it no, absolutely. But, but, but yeah, I don't want to go over too much over overall ground. But I think, so yeah, so we've seen basically, yeah, New Zealand's looked after itself. Australia's trying to look after itself in the absolute mess that it is politically um, from a, a sports politics point of view. South Africa uh, haven't got on top of the uh, the virus yet, so hence they're still in lockdown. And I think you'd see what uh, what, what New Zealand and Australia would do. Well, Australia would just go, look, we tried to include, include the Sunwolves, we were doing our bit. New Zealand would go, well, look, Argentina was part of the South Africa conference, not our conference, it's not our issue to deal with, and wash their hands of it. Um, and then obviously South Africa is not in a position to to deal with it. Yeah. It's it's not the, it's not what should happen. Don't get I'm not, I, I'm, I, this is I'm, I'm explaining why rather than uh, why it's happened rather than. Uh, but it's not a good excuse. It's a bad excuse. It it, it should have been just like yeah. we're probably going to see the Americans Cup teams from the um, from American Magic and um, UK Ineos or whatever the team's called. I've gone blank now. Uh, flying in uh, and being being here. We've got the um, Avatar or um, film crew um, have arrived. You're right. The just like the Warriors have headed over to Australia. Uh, the uh, Hagi Warriors could have come here to, to 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 New Zealand, and it would have, as you say, you're bringing it. it um, uh, the um, it, it would have done that sort of thing. Um, you know, if if they if they had been turned down by the government, if they had wanted to do this, and the government said. No, you cannot bring the Kakwaris in. It's too big. It's too large. No, I mean, the Avatar uh, crew is obviously huge, but it's just too many players, mass, uh, massage therapists, physios, baggage, and it's too many players. Um, then we would have heard it. They would have said, look, we tried. The government kiboshed oh, yeah. it. No, they, they didn't even try. Let's be honest. But they could have done. I mean, right. yeah. What they could have done, you want to really, I mean, if you really want to go, they could have said to South Africa, they could have said to South African teams, look, let's make, maybe we can't accommodate all of the South African teams, but maybe we can take two teams and you make a team from the Bulls and the Lions and a team between the Stormers and the, and the, the Sharks no. and we'll make a combined team and we'll generate tremendous interest in South Africa. And because they've got nothing to watch, they've got no South African sport to watch. So they could have done that. And if they even had the intent to do that, we would have heard of it. But Absolutely. there never was. There never was an intent. No, there wasn't. And you've got to take. You've got to. Okay, so there are a couple of sports that have, um, they have belligerently gone about it uh, uh, and have succeeded in getting some things done. NRL have got themselves back up and running quicker than pretty much everyone else. UFC also. Now you might not agree with the tactics or the way they went about it, but you've got to tip your hat. They actually managed to. They made it happen. Um, one of the things that I wrote an email to um, uh, to the organisers of the Force um, and, and Global Rapid Rugby just just before the shutdown, I said, "Guys, look, what you want to do is get all your teams in one in one location and play the games. Choose. Yeah. Um, I suggested Perth. In hindsight, it was a bad decision. Actually, Fiji would be the perfect place. Imagine, hi guys, we're going to fly all your families over to Fiji." Um, for, uh, for 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 ten weeks, you get a ten week holiday with your family in Fiji. And you play a bit of rugby. Hey, what a sales pitch! That would be fantastic. Um, 
You all, you, they all get there before lockdown. Lock it down. Bang. And you know what? You know what? You could stage it at whatever time suits the market. If you yep. wanted to play it at 2 o'clock in the morning in Fiji, no problem. If that's what gets you the best ratings, you say, everybody, we're going on to, to we're going to be sleeping at this, this diurnal rhythm, whatever it is, to get us, and the games are going to be at these times. You could have done so much, but the intent here, the desire to do what's good for the game rather than let's protect what is ours. Um, it's called in South Africa a lager mentality. Circle the wagons and uh, let's put. So, well, not, not lager really a bit. Um, now, Christopher says, look, I think Super Rugby teams would have benefited by building hotels at their stadiums a long time ago to allow. Um, look, the problem you have there, Christopher, is that none, none of the none of the um, Super Rugby teams own their stadiums, yeah. right? Now, in the UK, extra chiefs are building a state, are building a hotel next to their stadium, because you know what? That means the travelling team can stay there. Um, they've got a conference facility, hence they can put people up there. It, yeah, it makes sense having hotels attached to stadiums. End of story. Um, now, in Hamilton, if you know Hamilton at all, you'll realise that actually the road next door to um, FMG Stadium is full of motels. So you effectively could have done it. In, you could have done it in Hamilton if you wanted to, um, quite, uh, quite, 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 quite easily. But uh, yeah, so Chris, the, the problem there is that yeah, that the teams just don't own their infrastructure, and this is where Major League Rugby is going in the right direction. Is that look that um, is is that it's it's trying to tell each franchise to own its stadium because then you can do things um, about your stadiums. Um, as you say, Chris, yeah, Wasps, Sale, Harlequins, they all have. Um, uh, hotels as the Newport Dragons. Yeah, teams, yeah, a lot of the stadiums in the UK uh, have hotels next, have hotels as part of the complex. It just makes sense. Um, and it just makes sense in those countries to own your stadium as well. The problem there, the difference is Exeter Chiefs, for example, I'm just pulling out the hat because they're my team, but they're in a league of 12 teams, right? They get, that means they have at a minimum, they play 21 games, that's so 11 home games straight away. As part of the um, as, as part of the Gallagher Premiership, you then add in a minimum of six European games, so that's seventeen home games. You then add in now, admittedly, these are lower ranks; you're not going to get the same number of people. But you then have the Premiership Cup, which is another two home games, I think. So you're looking at something in the region of getting on towards about twenty home games a season. You compare that to um, the Blues. The Blues play eight home games a season sometimes seven depending on the format you it's just not financially viable to own a stadium for seven or eight games it's hardly financially viable than to own a get own a stadium for 20 games a season uh for eight it really just does not make sense and hence why uh they have to have community stadiums here in new zealand and australia uh and also in south africa you can't own a stadium and only use it for a couple of weekends a year and of course, the stadiums in South Africa are enormous. You're talking yeah. about because many of them were developed at a time they were developed to those sort of range of sizes at a time when South Africa was excluded from international sport, and the Curry Cup was the the rugby show that was available. So the attendances were fifty thousand people, no problem for well, Curry Cup game. Curry Cup was the only the only show in town, right? And then that was it. It's only shown down. So that's why uh, the capacity was made when South Africa landed. Take, for instance, Gates Park. Um, it was made to 52,000 to accommodate the 94 World Cup. Oh, that's no problem because they'd often have sellout games there in those days, right? Yep. In the early, in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, so. You could fill Loftus, you could fill Ellis Park, you could fill Newlands easily uh, with 45,000 people, 50,000 people. No problem. And so now the issue has become because the product has been diluted. Uh, and maybe that's something we should talk about is that if, if we are going to rescue uh, Sanzo, because now this, it's not just about the Kavwaris being affected, but there's talk now of South Africa, the remaining four teams that are in Super Rugby leaving 
Super Rugby and joining the Pro 14, or at least three of them joining the Pro 14, uh, because there's already two there, so they, they can only accommodate a further three South African teams over in the article. So, yeah, so there's four South African teams, right? So we've got the Bulls. But the you're, you're, you're talking 2021. Let's 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 cover off from what's what we do know is happening in 2020. Okay. Um, I just want to just because it's been brought up in the in, in the live chat, I want to very quickly touch on something from Major League Rugby. So in Major League Rugby, they've announced a new team or one of the new teams next seat that's going to be joining is going to be called the. It's going to be based in LA or Los Angeles, and it's mm -hmm. been go, it's, it's going to be called the Giltinis, um, which is a martini-based cocktail, premix cocktail. Now, when the Gilgronies took over the Austin Herd. Um, and uh, became the Austin, uh, uh, took over the Austin franchise, uh, which was, which again, is a pre-mixed drink fun enough by the same company. It was funny. It was different. It was unique. Uh, it was a, um, They put a lot of seriousness around how they were going to uh, involve their youth, uh, and, and, it, and, it made, and it was a point of difference to any other team. When you name another team with pretty much the same name, it loses its impact and becomes a bit of a farce and a bit of a joke. Um, it's going to make some interesting boat races between those two teams. But apart from that, uh, yeah, it's a crap name. Well, I'd never heard the name before. And when you posted the comments up, I read it as guiltiness. Guiltiness. <laughs> I read it as guiltiness, um, which is probably not a great name. So It's probably so, so, not a great name for a sports franchise is guiltiness. No, but that's what that's what they're going to be called. They will be called guiltiness. So there you go. So so yeah. So yeah. Not not, not a fan of the name. Uh, the Gilgronies. Yeah, enjoyed that. I thought it was a good idea. Name had a second one in. Pfft, it becomes a bit passe. Um, right. So uh, Super Rugby HR, um kicks off on the thirteenth uh, of June with the Highlanders um, versus the Chiefs, the Blues versus the Hurricanes. The following day. Um, with the Crusaders having a bye. We then have the Chiefs versus the Blues, the Hurricanes versus the Crusaders, with the, the Highlanders um, having a bye. Um, the Blues, then Blues, Highlanders, uh, Crusaders, Chiefs. Um, then it's Highlanders, Crusaders, Chiefs, Hurricanes, Crusaders, Blues, Hurricanes, Highlanders, Hurricanes, We lost, you. We yeah, lost lo you long ago. Dude, yeah, we lost you long ago. Yeah. <laughs> We zoned out somewhere. Zoned out. The second one. <laughs> Essentially, look, two games a weekend at 5 p.m. Yeah. on a Saturday, 3 p.m. on a Sunday. We're going to get afternoon rugby, sunshine, no no dew on the ball. So it's going to be a dry ball. Um, nice. The With the potential of, and, and with the government reviewing the option of going, of going down to level one on Monday, the 8th mm. of June. We could be at, we could be at level one as early as Wednesday the tenth of June before we get to week one. We may even have crowds um, at the games as well. The big question is, Paul, are we going to have press passes for Super Rugby? No, dude. Time to lift your game here, man. You're the only we we now the only sports radio in town. Talk about the only circus <laughs> available. We can, we can, we can. Okay, I'll have another go, but I can. Prob but, but, but I tell you, um, New Zealand rugby is just anal about this kind of stuff, um, and really does, does as, as we if, said. All our listeners, all our listeners, everybody, email them. Say that you want us involved. <laughs> you want feedback. You want reports. You want posts. You want interviews. Uh, and they must include us. So just give us some press passes so that we can cover the game. I would love to, but look, uh, I say I'm not going to hold my breath over this. Uh, but I, okay, I will. I will try, John. Um, Somebody, the Crusaders. Somebody. So let's look at the teams. Then we've got them. So we've got coming into this, um, the, 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 the 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 table red. The Crusaders on 23 points, six games, five wins. The Blues, um, seven games, five wins on 22 points. Um, the Chiefs and Hurricanes, both with four four wins and two losses. 
and then the Highlanders, one win, one draw, four losses. Um, I mean, looking at the form guide, I really can't see much having changed for the Highlanders during this COVID lockdown. Uh, sure, they're going to they're play Iwani at 10 rather than at 12. But even so, look, they're, they're, they're going to find it tough, aren't they, This uh, in, in this, this shortened competition? You know, it's going to sound crazy here, but there is something about that Highlanders team. I wish I could say to you, I could put a finger on it. I'm a, I really like the look of Yuani mm-hmm. as a 10. Um, and, of course, great service from the all-black halfback at nine. But there is, I just get the sense that there's a sleeping giant there, a sleeping dragon, let's put it that way. That almost as if they weren't quite meshing, uh, and maybe the extra time, maybe the opportunity to train a bit more, maybe for the linking to start taking place, maybe we'll see something. The, I guess, yes, their problem is that they have just had um, so much, uh, so, so much turnover in that squad. Um, Add on to that injuries as well, and suddenly they had no outside backs, um, which is why Neymar and Scudder um, has gone down there, um, and why they're also uh, looking forward to having Nariki back from the Sevens uh, tournament uh, side of things as well. So, um, look, when when they lost players like, like they they lost Tyrrell Lomax, Jackson Hemapo, Luke Whitelock, Elliot Dixon, Liam Squire, Marty Banks, Richard Buckman, Matt Fadders, Wozaki uh, uh, Polo, Ben Smith. I mean, they just lost a lot, a lot of. And the season league. before that, the season before that, they lost Lima Sapawanga as well. Yeah. So within the space of two seasons, that's the sort of the entire backbone of a team gone. But yeah. I just, I, I cannot tell you why, but I just have a sense that that. There is something about the Highlanders where they are greater than, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, where they punch above their weight and they play from from a place of great heart. Uh, a little bit like the Cheetahs are South Africa's, everybody in South Africa's second team. There's something about the the plucky underdog about the Highlanders that endears them to many museums. Yeah, there is. And look, if you the, the thing is that a lot of their playing, their players come from all over the country. Um, yeah. Whereas you look at the Crusaders, it's all their players are from uh, Canterbury and Tasman, right? They only they have um, they only had one transfer in this year that wasn't. Um, but so originally, you, originally, surely not originally, because we've got a few players that have escaped uh, Auckland or Northland or North Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, of, of the of the players of the new players they got in. Last oh, season. the new players. Oh, the new yeah. players. Okay. So all the new players they're bringing in have played yeah. with a lot of the players who are already on the squad, right? So they've got yeah. that sense of connectivity. They know how each other plays. You look at, yeah. if I look at the Highlanders though, um, Ethan Group from the Sunwall from Southland, um, uh, Conan O'Donnell Sunwolves, uh, Jeff Twaits from Bay of Plenty. Um, you've got yeah, Will Tucker from Canterbury. You got uh, Ben Tariki Ben Nicholas from Wellington, a bunch of guys from Otago, Jesse Parity from the Chiefs, um, Mitchell Hunt from the Crusaders, Scott Gregory from Northland. I mean, they're coming from all yeah, over. All over. They they, so they they haven't played with each other beforehand, and that's just going to take time uh, to do that. And I just think that with with the lockdown, they've been training. And that's fine, but they've not been training together to build that to build those combinations. And hence why I think they're still going to struggle. Um, but if you look at the rest of the teams there and, and, and how they've done, the most any team has lost is two games out of the other four, right? Um, the Crusaders won five, as say, the Blues and, and have lost one game. The other three teams, the Blues, the Chiefs, and Hurricanes, only lost two games in their in the opening set of games. Uh, it's it's going to be massively competitive between those four, isn't it? Well. You know, the, the thing is, if the Highlanders have had time to work on their cohesion, you can be sure that Crusaders haven't been sitting on their backsides doing nothing. 
And if there's one thing you can say about the Crusaders is they are the preeminent uh, rugby franchise in the Southern Hemisphere, without doubt. They have a they have such a focus on excellence. They have such a focus on togetherness. Their their culture is one of excellence. So they're going to be the team to beat, without question. However, having said that, what is going to be the Bowden Barrett effect on the on the Auckland team, you know, on the Blues? Uh, you know, is he going to be able to lift them to to a further level of excellence um, with his expectations? Or he's going to come in as what is now a very much established All Black and a leader in the back line, although he was shifted around to 15 last year. But, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see the effect that he has. On yeah, I mean, you'd, think, you'd think at the Blues um, that, yeah, he, he, he's, he's in the 10 jersey, end of story. I can't see him um, switching back to, to 15 because, look, the Blues... Um, the Blues got help. a really, really good 15, that's the thing. They've got a super exciting young 15 whose name escapes me. Stephen Harris, what's his name? Come and Stephen, send it to us. For the Blues? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they've got, they've got some exciting um, uh, backs, obviously. Uh, you got, I mean, I mean, Matt Duffy was playing there a little bit, so he's not, I wouldn't say he was exciting. Uh, you've got Narwa, um, Jordan Highland, Mark Talia, and a bunch of really exciting wingers who can play fullback. Um, the uh, but um, yeah, a lot of wingers rather than necessarily actual fullback uh, there. But Stephen Perifetta can can go back to fullback and play there. No, it's not Perifetta. It's somebody else. Come the, on, Stephen, come to the fore. Well, you got Mark Talia um, and Moni Nawaya. Uh, I'm trying to think. And Caleb Clark is obviously there as well. Jared Page, but he didn't play, so I'm not quite sure as to who you're who you think of. I mean, Joe Marchant. Um, uh. Was was uh, obviously was there with TJ Fiani, Rico Iwani in the centres. Um, As a Pacifica player, I think, I think in in the uh, background, ah, tall, lanky kid. I've named them all. I don't know. Anyway, it will come to me. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's going to be the interesting one for me to see the effect that Bowden Barrett is going to have on them, and then. The uh, the sleeping giant, the, the the sort of sneaky one here is what are the Chiefs going to do? Yeah, I, I, Chiefs, I think, I think Blues, the Blues, the Blues, the Blues and the Chiefs should push the um, uh, should, should 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 push the Crusaders all the way. Um, in my opinion, uh, yeah, great, some some, some wonderful players um, in there. Um, uh, Someone who's you think it's Clark Caleb Clark wasn't playing. Uh, Caleb Clark was away with the sevens, wasn't he? So he wasn't actually playing at fullback. So I don't think it was him, uh, Simon. But yeah, Caleb Clark, obviously, um, Irony Clark's son, is there. But looking at the at, at the, at the Chiefs, um, you got uh, I mean, Quince Pyre uh, was was great backup to Antonina Brown and Alex Nankerville and uh, to a man in the centres. There, so you got depth there out in the wings. You've got Solomon Marlow, who's uh, who's uh, um, Sean Stevenson. Um, Sean Wainui and yeah. Sam Nichol, um all playing well there. Uh, also, Dane McKenzie, obviously, at 15, with Aaron Cruden taking up the 10 jersey. Um, That's so the thing. Aaron, really, Aaron Cruden makes such a difference to that team. He does. Do. A, he makes a huge difference. It's not that Damien McKenzie doesn't have the potential to be a world-class 10. He does. Uh, but at this stage, his experience and his ability to control a game and to bring his outsides into play, to unleash McKenzie, um, his understanding is now so he's very, very special player. And, and I think the All Blacks uh, are a much more dangerous beast when they have uh, Aaron Cruden available for selection. Yep. Now... Simon says the Hurricanes are, are a better sleeping giant. Now, look, my problem with the Hurricanes is who plays 10, right? Um, I, I do rate Fletcher Smith, but he's, he's raw um, at uh, this level. Jackson Golden Bashup, again, pardon me, I'm not sure uh, really is the 10 to run these guys, run, run them around the park. 
when you look when you compare that to the other teams who have got Richard Mwanga, Bowden Barrett, and Aaron Cruden, the Hurricanes just do not have that have that ten to to lead them around the park and to and, and to run run the game. Um, TJ Perinara, love him to bits. He's a great um, a, a great player. He's a great ambassador off the pitch. I just don't like him being captain because he's chirpy enough when he's not captain. And once he's captain and he's actually allowed to talk to the ref, he gets even worse. Um, so, and but they don't, but they just lack anyone else, anyone else to be captain. Really, with Ardis Tadea um, being out injured, I don't think Ardis, I don't know if Ardis back or not. But yeah, I, I to me, they just lack that number ten to be serious contenders. The Hurricanes, they will blow some people off the park. They've got such wonderful backs. I and mean, when you when you go um, La Mappe, um, uh, we, go, we go either Billy Proctor or Peter Emanuel Jackson or Vince Arso, and then you have Houston, Ben Lamb, of course, White, Van White. I mean, okay, didn't do anything in South Africa, but scored a hat trick over here on his debut. And then you put either Chase Tietier or, or Rudy Barrett at fullback. I mean, geez, they, those backs will cut teams to pieces. If, if I was the All Black selectors, I would insist that next season Ben Lamb gets sent to the Crusade. Because I think that is a, I think that is potentially a number one winger in the world that is just not being developed to his full potential. But that's another whole side story. Uh, not as badly as if he was up at the Blues, but that's a different, different category. Really anyway. You're probably Ben Lamy's is 28. He's too old. He's too old for a winger. His time is gone, I'm afraid. Well, if he had been playing consecutively at 15s, maybe, but his, the, he's only been in there two, three years. Before that, it was all sevens. So I'm not sure, you know, depends on what his, what his testing is, what is uh, figured. But you never get any of that information from any of the no. sides in the world, what they're testing. But the thing that concerns me about the Hurricanes is their tight five. And unfortunately, when I watch them play, the area of weakness where I saw them being targeted is back to the old Hurricanes' weakness, which was their tight five. And I don't think that their tight five can live with the some of the other teams in the competition. Yeah, but they, they, they have improved their tight five. I mean, look, you've got Tyrrell Lomax and um, Corey Rackety Stones have come in in the props, which has been good. Um, uh, Isaiah walker Lorry has, has had more time. But it's, yeah, you, you that one extra, it's that little bit of depth and that one extra, one extra lock, um, isn't quite there, is it? Let's be honest. Um, now, I, I, I they don't, have, they don't have a uh, white lock. They don't have a Brody Rattelli. They don't have a um, absolutely top top class prop where you go just he's going to wreck heaven. They don't. You can't point and go. But we also. I mean, well, so I, I like Viper Theta, but I like him as a six. I don't like him as, as a lock. Um, yep. And we see him playing a lock too often because they just don't have the have enough locking depth. And that's and that's yeah. that's the problem. Is yeah. That, that's go. is yeah. They've got some good players. Um, I mean, they've got three very good hookers um, in um, Coles, Amua, and Riccatelli. Uh, but I just don't have enough locks and enough beef at lock, in all honesty, for me. So, um, so yeah, so I, I've got the Hurricane, I've got the, the Highlands coming last, the Hurricanes coming fourth, and then uh, basically the other three Crusaders. Obviously, you've got um, you've, you've you've got to say, look, they've 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 got the runs on the board, uh, they've got the reputations. You, you you've got to say they have they they could be favourites, but I think the Blues and the Chiefs have the the ability to unseat them uh, and to take that top spot. Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating between those three. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to give you... When is the first weekend of play? Uh, two weekends time, 13th. 13th. I'd love to, to visit this again um, because the two, two things that are unresolved for me is what will the Blues look like with Barrett and what will the Highlanders look like with more time together? Well, neither, so neither, neither, of those, neither of those are you going to find out before the first game. <laughs> no, I'm saying to revisit this after the first weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To give you a definitive answer. 
and then see if maybe I've been overly optimistic about Ironhurst. Um, I, th I think we will find you have been, but we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see. Um, moving on then to the um, the Australian uh, Super Rugby AU. Now this kicks off um, a little bit later in. Oh, John! No, oh, sorry, sorry. You weren't talking about the Six Nations. At, at, at... No. So just Australian. So the Rumbies, the Rebels, the Reds, the Waratahs. Uh, and the Western Force. So, let's be honest, one of the key talking points here, can the Western Force um, put it to the other teams and say, hey, you shouldn't have kicked us out? That, so. that's, that's, that's one of the talking points. Now, um, obviously, they were all set up for Global Rapid Rugby. Um, they, had, they lost half their squad to the Rebels when they got kicked out. So, let's be honest, they don't have the depth depth compared to the other teams so it's going to be interesting let's hope they can hold their own let's hope they can put it to them the reds we know they've lost three players since the season started because um three of them um will be uh, well three three of them basically said look we're not going to play unless you pay the full full salary um they got stood down they said then you can't send us down we're resigning and then australian rugby said, well, we're terminating your contract so yeah, so so that's um, so three three people who were expected to be part of the Wallabies over the next several years have gone. So you got to say that's so got give their names. Give their names again, please. Um, Isaac Rodder. Um, oh, I forgot the other two now. Um, but I mean, Isaac Rodder was 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 up for being the um, up for being the captain of the side. So it was it was it was it was a key a key key player of theirs. Um, Isaac, something or other. Isaac, what? Isaac? Um, oh, I've gone black. Anyway, scrum half and something else. Um, but that's going to that's do one of two things to the Reds, right? Either it weakens them and they collapse. I mean, they only won two games anyway, last uh, out, out of their seven um, pre pre this, or it galvanizes the team, pulls them together, um, and they perform more than some of their parts. Uh, I have just not seen that out of. Um, Brad Thorne as a coach yet to yeah. see him do that. He's to me, he seems to upset players more than he does galvanize players and bring them together. Um, so I must admit, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely down on the Reds. Um, to be honest with you, the uh, so yeah, to, to me, this looks like a Brumbies cakewalk, to be honest. Best run organization in Australia. Yep, absolutely. Has been from the start of Super Rugby. Um, from a playing point of view, I mean, they did have the, uh, the the interesting thing where they sold their training ground and rented it back for the exact same amount of money um, to the university. And that, there, 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 there were a few. There was there, there was a bit of a fraud investigation by the police at one point. I'm not quite sure how that uh, how that all panned out. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I mean, they've had their fun and games off the pitch um, as well. But um, on the pitch, yes, they have been the best organised Super Rugby side the whole time, yeah. uh, as you say. Uh, so look, uh, then they, yeah, then the Rebels. I mean, the Waratahs only won one game out of five uh, before this. So look, they've got the cattle. They should be performing way better than that. And you would hope under their new coach, he would have had some time to sort things out. So yeah, I expect the Waratahs to step up. Um, uh, and it's yeah, and we're just going to see. Can the yeah can can the can the force go a couple of bloody noses? Um, now, go on, John. You said three sides were looking forward to twenty twenty one. Then, um, if we say that Super Rugby turns into, we keep Super Rugby Aotearoa, we keep Super Rugby AU, we set up Super Rugby Japan, and the top two sides from the top league, Super Rugby Aotearoa, Super Rugby. Um, Australia have some sort of playoff and finals, and it excludes South Africa. Um, South Africa go north. You said three. You said three teams could go to join the Pro Fourteen. Uh, they, what was they can't. They can't absorb. This is what I read in the article. They can't absorb another four South African teams. So you can absorb another, an additional three. That doesn't mean that the two that are already there keep their place. I'm just saying they can take a total of five South African teams, not six. That seems strange because at the moment, 
it's the Pro 14, right? With two conferences of seven. Um, so to take on an extra three, to make it 17 teams, uh, how do you structure a tournament with 17 teams? I don't know. I just, I was, you know, I was having a look at the stuff for tonight and I just very quickly did it. And there was a statement there about not being able to take all the teams, you know, so um, I was just doing some prep. So, but be that as it may, John was doing some prep. My word. Don't, don't say it too loud. You raise expectations for this. Whenever. Uh, so, uh, the the thing that concerns me is I don't see how Australian rugby makes it through at the kind of level it needs to to compete internationally if there's no South Africa in Super Rugby. Because the major source of income, even though the South African rand is so undervalued compared to its true buying power, the major source of revenue was coming from South Africa because of a 45 million, 55 now, million strong population and what they could sell the advertising revenues for. I mean, this is why games were being played in the evenings in Australia and New Zealand in order to get maximum viewer, possible viewership in South Africa so that the matches in South Africa were appearing, New Zealand matches were appearing at around 8.30 depending on which, you know, daylight saving, either 8.30 or 9.30 in the morning. And then Australian games were at 11.30 and 12.30, depending where they were in Australia um, during the day. So, yeah, I, I don't know how Australia comes out of it. You know, New Zealand is so passionate about rugby, it's, it'll keep going. But overall, I think South Africa doesn't benefit. I think South Africa's rugby is stronger playing against New Zealand and Australian teams especially New Zealand teams, but even Australian teams. You know, there's a lot of rugby nows and, and the way that the game is approached with hand, handling-wise that South Africa benefit from coming up against and playing um, playing in the Northern Hemisphere against the Pro 14 teams. I don't think that sets the Springboks up for success. I don't think it sets the losses that are... I mean, Dan Carter and... Dan Carter, I think that said one of the reasons why South, uh, the All Blacks have did so well in his time as an, as an All Black, did so well in matches in South Africa is because they've got to play there regularly. And I don't think it benefits uh, the All Blacks when it comes to playing in And we've lost John, unfortunately. His connection has, has, has dropped out, which is a real shame. Um, so... Uh, we lost there, John. Yeah, but no, you're right. Uh, I, I, one of the things I was talking about on the, the, the show that will come out tomorrow morning was that um, the reason that yeah that, that that New Zealand wants to have South Africa in tournaments isn't for the fans. The fans don't really care about games at three o'clock in the morning, to be honest with you. Um, and they enjoy the when 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 the stormers or the sharks come over here, fine. But um, but but they're much more interested in the derbies. The from a um, uh, from a but but from a from a coaching and a player's point of view, that's getting used to the different pitches in South Africa, getting used to the travel and staying in hotels, getting used to that, that touring mentality. It's all a step up, a step a stepping stone. Then they do the November tours. They get to know they actually get used to, do, to do, again traveling um, and doing your, your your three to four week trips, and then you go to the Rugby World Cup where you get used to. Yes, where you have to do your what's it, six to eight or eight week trips. So it's it's all these stepping stones that are building up towards Rugby World Cup. A two week yep. tour to Africa, then a four week, a three to four week tour to Europe, and then an eight week Rugby World Cup. The harder pitches in South Africa, different style of rugby, playing at altitude, being able to adapt to different conditions compared to the conditions here in here in New Zealand, adapt to different conditions, <coughs> wetter conditions, um, quite often or muddier conditions. In Europe, if it's depending on weather in November, again, makes you a more rounded rugby player. It all adds to those extra skills, makes them better players. Um, whereas some of the South African teams just never, uh, their tours are longer. It's, it, it's 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 a four to five week tour rather than a two week tour at a super rugby level. So it's a it's a harder it's a harder jump to do. Also, 
Um, I think the, the there's a bit, perhaps a bit more of a, a culture shock. I mean, we, we talked with, um, oh, your South African, your um, Spring Warren Brosnan. Brosnan. Um, he, uh, he's talking about how basically uh, so a lot of the players. I mean, obviously, the Afrikaans is 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 heavily their their, their first language, um, and English isn't. So it's a much more it's a bigger culture and shock. It, to and them. remember, it's not just the Afrikaans players; it's the yeah. Porza and the coloured players are also Afrikaans speaking. They haven't done a lot of travelling outside of South Africa. It's, you know, there's not a lot right. of expendable English. Right. When, you, when you when you when you English speaking. Yeah, English-speaking uh, Kiwis and Australians fly to South Africa. They can get away with English, right? It's not. A, oh, it's, yeah, a, yeah. Um, it's a much easier culture. Uh, so, I've, yeah. I, I've I've come across more people who cannot speak English in Hamilton than I have in Durban. Yeah. Um, so, but it's um, so yeah. So it's 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 a uh, so yeah. So the, the the South African teams haven't adapted to this travel as well. Um, perhaps haven't used it as a learning uh, tool in the same way that the, the New Zealand sides have um, either. Now, we're coming up to the hour mark, so we'll look forward to 2021 more properly next week. Um, and uh, when, when uh, uh, we'll look at that, 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 that in more detail. Um, but that's what 2020 is looking like. Uh, I, I, look, I, I don't think we are going to get... I don't think South Africa is going to sort themselves out to probably have enough time to put in a Super Rugby competition. I think they'll just look at doing themselves doing the Curry Cup. They do, um, and there's still talk of potentially having a the rugby a rugby championship in Australia with the four teams, which would be fantastic. Uh, but um, we'll see if that gets off the ground. Uh, but I think from a Super from a from a South Africa point of view, I think Curry Cup is what they'll be looking at trying to get done this season um, if they can. I mean, what I, I just, it's a really, it's an overused statement. I can't wait. It's so <laughs> overused, but it's so valid when I think about the world champions playing the All Blacks. Mm, that is going to be tasty. So thank you, everybody. Don't forget, next week we'll be coming to the, the, uh, the Driving Mall Show will be coming to you on Monday night at 8 p.m., not on Tuesday night. At Tuesday night at 8 p.m., we'll be having Do You Know Sports, the sports, the, the, the number one sports quiz on New Zealand radio, the only sports quiz on New Zealand radio. We'll be taking part on our ne next Tuesday. Tomorrow night at 8 p.m., um, we will have our very first league rugby league show. We haven't named it yet, so if you've got any good names for rugby league show, then please do drop them in the chat and let me know. Um, and then, obviously, on on Thursday, we have Swinging from the Hip at 8 p.m. Once Super Rugby starts, myself and Shane um, will be bringing you a preview of every weekend on a Friday evening. Um, and we'll be looking at doing a roundup on Sunday evening as well. So, look, folks, uh, lots and lots of content coming to you here on the New Zealand Sports Radio. Share it with your friends. Let them all know. Um, so we'll be having... Um, the uh, we'll, be, we'll be having that, and uh, yeah, we have a good name for the so um, uh, we need, yeah, we need to get a good name for the league one. Um, so I'll be six again, he says, would be uh, would, would be a name for it. Yes, maybe that that'll be uh, maybe that would be it. Um, but we'll have to, I'll, I'll have to give it, see what the boys think. But so, yeah, we'll try and get you yeah, try and get that um, together. Thank you, everybody, join me. Thank you, John, for joining me. Uh, and don't forget, next week, Monday night for The Driving Mall Show. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 